Welcome to the Yoga Conversations podcast. This is your host Harish Punjabi. We talk with yoga, meditation and wellness practitioners. We explore this mystic space, try to dissect it and make it accessible for everyone. Let's begin with the show. Welcome everyone to the Yoga Conversations podcast where we meet with yogis and meditation practitioners, wellness practitioners and dissect these myths and make it accessible for everyone today we have with us shreya sethi she is a yoga and holistic health teacher as well as a counseling psychologist her trainings and certifications include 200 hr 500 hr tdc courses at shivananda yoga ashram the zumba b1 instructor course stott pilates and hypnotherapy level 1 and she has a wide media presence across ndtv india tv group and booking.com so shreya welcome thank you so much harish for having me here so uh, and thank you for the great introduction <laughs> no i really deserve it means you have so many skills in multiple domains well that we will talk about that and why it's that way and definitely. why i did all the training so short <laughs> definitely So let's start with the journey first. Uh what made you take up yoga? So I think uh, I had no experience in yoga till the time I was doing my masters in counseling psychology and I remember this time uh, I did my counseling psychology from Christ University in Bangalore and I remember my second year I was dreading the course so much because I did not like the practice as much as the theory of psychology. and i think i realized that when i started interning under different people and different counselors and also i realized that a lot of people are not getting more than just i i understand that counseling works because i am in that profession and it does work but uh, for me personally gap somewhere and in the sense of like the practice of psychology where i felt that people need to get Uh, a little more self reliant and what tools they are getting when they go home after their uh, counseling session as to what do they do on their own as well you know apart from the homeworks that if you're following cbt cognitive behavioral therapy there are parts where you do get homework but at the end of the day what are you doing for yourself and that to almost every single day so i felt that there was a gap between forming some kind of a discipline that would help people a little more holistically and uh, that's how i stumbled i literally stumbled in uh, yoga and i remember my first training in yoga, like whenever the for my first experience in yoga was my teacher training course in uh, shivananda i had no prior experience before that uh, i was into dance uh, probably in school but uh, and i definitely realized the importance of including uh, anything somatic or anything related to the body which was again a little missing in psychology uh, in the practice of counseling and that's why i think i stumbled in yoga and uh, also probably because of personal reasons because i was a little uh, restless in nature since i was a kid and it kind of helped me in that a lot so that's how i got into yoga it get, it does get difficult uh, when you are just in theory and to make sense of would this be of any uh, great value or how should i implement it and i guess those must be some questions that must be hovering over in you at that time right yeah exactly that's exactly what got me into yoga 
and a lot of other things related to the body because that's something that i wanted to explore so i also did dance movement therapy uh, right after i did my first teacher training course in yoga and that's what i realized that there was something uh, definitely which was missing was more inclusion of the body which is more tangible uh, i think we're going to talk about that we're going to touch upon this topic again but uh, yeah so that's how i got into yoga in the first place so um you were uh, practicing your first uh, TTC course at Sivananda Yoga Ashram, right? Um, yeah. How was that experience? As well as, uh, what recommendations would you give to someone who wants to learn yoga, uh, in a more authentic mm. way? Right. Uh, so definitely, uh, like I told you, I had no experience in yoga as such, and my first experience in yoga was my teacher training course uh, I did from Madurai, uh, the the ashram in Madurai. and honestly it uh, changed me as a person completely after that one month of training i know uh, that those one months are like very short period of time to actually have a change but that definitely happened because it was such an extensive course and it was not only about you doing yoga postures uh, which obviously everyone mostly thinks that yoga practicing yoga is about those asanas that we practice on the mat but that's definitely uh, that was probably just i think 5% of the whole program and we got to exactly uh, live a proper yoga lifestyle so i think it was one of my obviously a lot of people have their uh, apprehensions about a lot of things there because it's you know in any other way but i think it was definitely the best experience of my life and i have i, I know i've recommended this course to like a billion people who come to me and ask me what they should be doing because it's uh, it's not only about uh, you being able to do yoga or doing a course in yoga so that you can teach yoga you really need to live that kind of an experience and i think uh, shivananda provides that in a very perfect way and uh, i think you asked me about you know what i would recommend to uh, people Uh, if they want to go for the course uh, and i've done both i've done my advanced teacher training course again from shivananda which i did after 2 years of my teacher training course and this was in uh, kerala nayar dam and nayar dam is the only place where in india where they uh, offer advanced teacher training course so uh, i think uh, my biggest takeaway from this would be that definitely have a very open mind and not go into this course or this program in with, with a very critical mindset so take whatever comes to you it might uh, some things might be taking you out of your comfort zone but at the end of the day it's just helping you grow and i remember i uh, used to kind of think that you know especially in the philosophy of yoga of course you're uh, continuously analyzing for yourself also if you if it fits in your thought process all the teachings that they give and most of them did uh, but my biggest takeaway was every night before sleeping i would write down uh, like my own personal journal journal entry as to my thoughts about what i had learned that particular day so which helped me a lot uh, it kind of made me uh, filter out the things that i wanted to take in and not want to take in but at the same time i was still very open to the idea of learning whatever i was given uh because you do see a lot of people they would ask questions like you know uh, why should we do this in the first place and they will give you answers and that's the best part so if you keep your mind open if you keep doing the course as they intended to be you will figure out that there is a lot going on and it's not only about the theory that they teach you it's all about 
practicing that in the moment so yeah so that's definitely my takeaway and for people who want to do this course yeah you mentioned about uh, journaling and uh, this is a practice which i have been doing personally since the last around a year or two and i find it yeah. very effective but uh, the practice that you mentioned about whatever you've learned throughout the day you used to write it uh, in the night right and yeah. uh, do you really feel that it uh, whatever you've learned if you write it down does it get uh, ingrained in your system in your mind definitely 100% and also it's not about the learning itself in an objective sense but you're actually introspecting you are putting your own analysis so it kind of gets ingrained in a way that you know uh, it's more uh, structured i feel because you know thoughts can come and go uh, and you know even when you're talking the essence of it kind of starts getting lost but when you write it down it kind of gets stuck in your head also it it helps when you're uh, using all the senses uh, you know when you're doing something and i think when you're journaling you're also putting a visual uh, sense to it you're also putting your own uh, kinesthetic when you're actually typing because i used my app on the phone at night i'd not have like a pen paper but if you're using a pen paper you again are using another sense so it's always good for any kind of learning if you're including more senses um the the kind of the learning gets more ingrained and it gets more structured so i think yeah journaling in that sense really helps <laughs> yes it it definitely helps uh, i have to practice and promoted this and um, mm-hmm. uh, it is a life change definitely so i do i practice i make people uh, practice journaling even in my counseling sessions uh, i actually in my counseling sessions i mix techniques from yoga but uh, journaling is something that really helps also because if you notice whenever you write for yourself you will definitely see that uh, especially if you're going through something or uh, probably uh, a, a low time right and you start writing about that you will automatically see the perspective shift from you starting to vent as one person but then later you will start realizing while you're writing that you become that advice giver and you're actually starting to uh, change the perspective from being the person who's going through something to a person who's wanting to learn and that ha- and that switch happens so fast and that role switch uh while journaling makes a lot of sense because you know by the end of your journaling you'll be like okay i'm feeling very very light and uh, also i think i know what to do so and that revelation kind of happens mostly when you're writing things down so i definitely uh, practice journaling myself as well <laughs> yeah i guess uh oh. what i'm trying to say is that your rational self looks after your emotional self when you do this practice right 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 because after the emotions are done after the venting is done there is a part of which you know uh, so if you talk about the psychology sense of it like i will just get into like a small technical detail so we have three people in us uh, so this is like a freudian concept one is the id like that's the child in us then you have the ego which is an adult and then you have the super ego which is like uh, the parent in us 
so we always have these three forces which are constantly engaging or kind of in conflict with each other as well so when you're journaling a lot of times what happens is that the child in us starts uh, getting out especially if it's too emotional in nature and later you will start seeing the rational side like you said right the rational side which is the parent or the uh, you know the uh, adult in us which starts giving us the advice as to what we should be doing so and the, yeah so that starts uh, so there's a there's a consciousness and the subconsciousness which starts uh, interacting with each other when we are writing yes um, definitely we will touch more into psychology as you go on now uh, <laughs> okay. taking a few steps back uh, you had mentioned about your shivananda experience that mm-hmm. you lived the yogic lifestyle now for someone yeah. to just understand that can you break it down like how did your one day entirely go oh wow so that was like uh, those were brilliant days i remember i was the only one so we had like a dorm uh, and we were around 2200 people at that time um we started our day at around 5 5:30 got ready uh, go for satsang which was followed by a little bit of meditation and then uh, we had our, so then we had to change again so there was a lot of changing that happened so from the uniform then we shifted uh, we used we had like 5 to 10 minutes to quickly change into our uh, practice clothes we were on the mat for almost 2 hours then right after that we had our lunch which was at 10 am <laughs> so uh, 10 am was lunch that's the first meal of the day that you have then uh, we used to come back then we used to go for our karma yoga which was almost 2 hours Uh, that would be any duty that you got probably cleaning or uh, cooking help in cooking or whatever uh, or help in the admin also then we had uh, so this got over by around 12:30 we had like a small break for like half an hour that's about it in which we had to go back and change again uh, go to our dorms then we had uh, the gyan yoga part so we did uh, learn bhagavad gita we did a few, we learned few scriptures from vedanta then we also learned anatomy which is really important uh, to understand how the body functions and another asana practice after that then satsang uh, then dinner and then satsang again so this was the entire day so the the, the day used to get over by around uh, 9 9:30 and then we had homework every day so yeah so we were back in the dorms by around 10 10:30 was lights off <laughs> So I guess uh, early lunch as well as an early dinner system. If I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Early lunch was 10 a.m. and early dinner was 6 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I I haven't uh, done a TTC course, but I've done a short retreat and I've got a small gist of what you have experienced. But yeah, since yeah. you, it's like a different time clock happening and in that lifestyle compared to generally what you are doing in the cities. yeah yeah and it's a lot of fun also because uh, like we will talk about the discipline part of uh, the whole process uh, a little later i think uh, but definitely uh, my biggest takeaway from there was as uh, so i because i was a very restless person before yoga probably uh, i had no idea that i would be able to uh, gain this skill of being able to take a nap for exact 7 to 10 minutes So, so within like uh, as soon as i hit the bed because that half an hour or like 15 minutes gap that we had 
I was the only like I was one of those people who was just lying down in the bed and be like you know I'm just putting my alarm for five minutes and trust me those five minutes felt like an hour. So and I had no idea that I could actually be that kind of a person who would uh, understand how to take a nap. Like as soon as I hit the bed, I'm off. <laughs> so because I probably and that's something that I uh, when I came back I realized that uh, if I had any trouble sleeping because usually there is a gap between uh, like lying down in bed and then falling off to sleep, that time kind of uh, totally diminished. So that was good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, afternoon naps could be very effective too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, you were talking about your uh, hatha yoga practice. So you yeah. you have been trained in hatha style and vinyasa style. So mm-hmm. what are the differences in both, as well as what factor should one look for when choosing a specific style to learn? Right. Okay, so I think uh, firstly there is uh, a lot of misconception between the uh, of the word hatha yoga because, like I mentioned, hatha yoga is a part of raj yoga, and it's just about your practice and the self discipline. So uh, hatha yoga could be any form of yoga as such that you are following, right? You know, because you're doing the same. The idea is to do the postures, the same kind of postures. Uh, but now I think the word and vinyasa. uh in its sense means breath right so the literal translation of the word vinyasa is the breath so uh in its sense you are doing so you can do vinyasa i, I don't know how these uh differentiation between so it's, it's actually a very newer and a very modern uh, uh you know uh, uh, like an analysis of uh, these two words and the practice of yoga but oh, i understand what you would try to say and in the uh, you know the essence of how people have started using these terms very uh, you know easily or very uh, nonchalantly in some yeah. way as in like um, people generally view it as a type of practice they don't they won't understand the philosophy part of it so right, right. Uh, so i will tell you what uh, widely uh, you know how what hatha yoga and vinyasa yoga mean uh, so hatha yoga is mostly about uh, you know it's more based on the postures right so you can repeat the postures uh, for a deeper stretch right so the uh, definitely it's a little slower as compared to vinyasa yoga so when i talk about vinyasa yoga you will automatically get the differentiation between the two uh, hatha yoga is definitely to uh, help you uh, decrease or you know get your heart rate in control that's another one because you need to be in the posture and try to relax in the posture so that's what you're doing in hatha yoga uh, the other thing that you're doing in hatha yoga is uh, like i told you it's about the postures being repeated and slower so it's brilliant for a person who is getting new into yoga like a new uh, be- a beginner of in this practice i think hatha yoga would suit more uh, and as compared to vinyasa yoga where vinyasa yoga where I'm, as i told you vinyasa means a breath right so uh, the focus is not on the postures rather than the sequence of the postures right so for example you could say in some sense that your surya namaskar is a vinyasa if you keep repeating it right uh, because you are doing one posture for one breath even though you can do hold a posture for 
usually we hold a posture for five breaths but it transitions into another posture like how surya namaskar would happen uh, so of course uh, definitely what vinyasa is doing uh, as compared to hatha yoga is increasing your heart rate level right because it's one after the other there is hardly a break between the postures and this the repetition is mostly in the sequence so hatha yoga is probably to kind of relax you more uh, vinyasa yoga would be kind of to um, increase the heart rate be more rhythmic with the movement because you're synchronizing your breath with the movement and uh, also probably get your heart rate up so it feel your body feels a lot warmer when you do vinyasa yoga if i can call that but yeah now i so it's definitely better for a person who is already practicing yoga to get into vinyasa yoga because they would understand how to transition from one posture to the other correct so like this is like the i guess known difference yeah i, I guess we could say that uh, someone who wants to someone who's already doing like a cardio workout it would give him a similar somewhat of a similar sense if he does vinyasa than hatha just right, right, right. Right. Keeping going. Keeping going. But also, uh, again, like the whole you would not want uh, because the practice of yoga that's how it's different from any other uh, fitness fitness routine <laughs> but yeah so that's mostly it So um now moving on to your psychology side you have a master yeah. in psychology um do you feel it benefited yoga or do you feel it benefited the other way around uh i think they both go hand in hand like uh, probably a lot of people don't realize that but uh, like for example uh, so this is one of my favorite examples that i give in probably every every time i'm talking about the uh, harmony of the two disciplines so um if you think about it like pranayam uh, which is like your breathing techniques you're trying to control your breathing uh, in especially your exhalation uh, if you're talking about breathing so th- this is one example that i give usually your breathing is directly related to your uh, emotional state in some way like think about that uh if your so for example i'll ask you uh, if you are uh, you're probably very nervous or you're very panicky or you're uh, you know very sad or upset uh, what kind of a breathing do you have um it would be more of an anxious kind of a breathing so that means like uh, shorter breaths uh, Short, shallow breaths shorter more frequent or frequent exactly and uh, and as compared to when you're sleeping probably that's the deepest state of your like the most relaxed state of your mind right. uh, what kind of a breathing do you have right so it's all abdominal breathing you can see the abdomen moving uh, rather than just the chest right which is like kind of limits your breathing and the other one is like the, your breathing is very deep right uh, so imagine if your uh, mental state can affect your breathing the opposite can happen as well that's the reason when you're short on breaths or if people are getting you know probably some kind of uh, anxiety the first thing that you say is uh, try to breathe deeply so uh, you know count your breaths like lot longer breaths deeper breaths so that's exactly what we are trying to do 
so this is one of the basic most basic examples as to how your body how your breath affects your mind as well so uh, that's why i think psychology the study of the mind and versus yoga which is again the mind body and uh, instead of using the word soul which i usually don't i use the word essence essence is like the sense of being which kind of works uh, a lot better for my understanding so everyone has their own understanding of it this is my understanding of it so i think uh, the, when you know it's uh, such a brilliant amalgamation of the two disciplines because you're using your body to again kind of uh, help your mind so i'm not talking about like them being two entities of course they're interrelated but uh, but you need to kind of work with something and it's always true you work with something more tangible in nature to help something which is a little more not tangible in nature like and out of the body uh, so out of your mind and your body your body is much more tangible that's the reason why if you're helping your mind if you're helping your body it's it automatically becomes a lot easier to help your mind so that's one then the other thing like of course that i had practiced and i was teaching yoga to people who uh, were diagnosed with psychological disorders and uh, like th- this is again a very basic uh, like anecdote that i'll give you uh, of my work where uh, i was actually teaching a girl who was diagnosed with uh, paranoid schizophrenia and uh, i so she had at that time she was going through these like her episode so and what i was teaching her was basically just basic breath breath work uh, like abdominal breathing so when you know and that's when i realized that i wanted to get into yoga that was my exact moment when i realized that i need to get into yoga more um so the basic breath was breathing into 3 4 and out to 3 4 for her even uh, trying to focus on that was so difficult because automatically what she's trying to do is finally uh, kind of subduing her own uh, the mind that is being you know kind of going in the flow and she doesn't have any control of it versus her trying to take control of it through her breath only right it was very very hard for her to a point that she said that you know i can't do this my episodes are kind of increasing so and that's when i realized that uh, uh, working with the body is so important because it helps you to kind of transition into working with your mind and that's the nature of the mind the mind loves to be distracted and we're going to talk about that also <laughs> again uh, if if you don't mind would you like to share any specific episode experience and why am i asking this is because it is very difficult for someone who is let's say going through a condition which is at level 10 and when you tell them okay sit down take deep breaths it was very difficult for for them to take even that action so can you narrate Under- any any one experience and how did you help that uh, uh your student mm-hmm. or patient so uh i think i can talk about uh, another aspect that i've worked a lot in which is uh, for people who were going through a rehabilitation phase and uh, so i was working with re- uh, rehabs uh, across a few places and uh, i was teaching yoga to people who had had uh, like you know problem with substance before so uh 
definitely obviously they were already in that detox period because they're they're not with the substance at the moment but uh it's very difficult for them to start breathing like you said you know just give them the instructions so that's not what what we do so we work more again with something which is more tangible in nature so i would work with the body more i would give them more asanas to do if i need them to start breathing i would make sure that i am instructing each breath so i would not give them like you know okay take take 10 breaths right so i would be there uh, or if them do meditation for example close their eyes and just you know be there and think about thoughts no so you, that's some so that needs to be like very tightly gripped so you so what would work for them would be guided meditations where i will be speaking the whole time i will be telling them what to do what they uh, you know so all those things are very very important to not just let them uh, and then slowly of course you grade it out once you start seeing that the person is getting more receptive and they understand a lot more they they can handle their own thoughts and they can uh, work without a lot of instructions then my instruction will start coming down so uh, yeah so most of the rehabilitation centers i've worked a lot with uh, starting with the postures so they again uh, and the best part would be again so you challenge them with balancing postures so balancing postures in the beginning would be very very hard for them but you start grading them out and you will understand that with the balancing posture because of course the mind your brain the, the brain has been uh, kind of uh, been in another state for such a long time right and it has been affected in a way that a balancing pause balancing would be really bad but uh, once they start getting it they start feeling that confidence in their body again so that's something that i've always seen like this major major transition that i've always seen with people i was just saying that this is like my aim in life right so uh, just to help people help them live a much healthier lifestyle and when i'm talking about a healthier lifestyle i'm not talking only about like fitness level of food i'm definitely talking about mental health first and then rest kind of follows so, yeah, yeah. Uh, i i had read i am not sure where i've heard or read this but i had read the meaning of health and it was it stated that to be able to do whatever you want to do at that very moment and if there oh, wow. is something which is stopping you from doing that then you are in a disease mode as long as it's not like impairing yourself or other people then yeah. it's perfectly fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> that comes with that caveat so uh, now moving on to the terms which have been very and this is something which i have observed i would like your thoughts uh, right i have heard these terms very loosely being called out that is people are uh, telling me that i am feeling anxious or i am depressed and that seems so common that i i guess everyone is facing this problem do you feel that yeah. it is being overhyped with these terms or do you actually see that there is a problem like this so uh, definitely uh, both the terms uh, not anxiety as much but uh, because anxiety then gets into like anxiety disorders if you're talking about the clinical sense of it but depression yes uh, very loosely used and honestly when i was uh, doing my own training of psychology and then worked as a psychology teacher also 
for a while uh definitely we dreaded as mental health professionals when we, when we would hear people just nonchalantly using these words and you know like i have such an ocd and you know you're like you don't even probably know what ocd means and uh, yeah so we were definitely uh, we hated how loosely the words are being used uh, or were being used but you know what like lately because of the whole uh, you know the unprecedented times that we are living in right now because of covid uh, you know if now everyone's like uh, you know their thinking hats are kind of on and we don't know uh, the whole situation around mental health has kind of been disrupted uh, now uh, people would probably be going actually through depression and they would not even know right uh, so now i think everyone has become a little more wary about uh, how to use these terms but yes you're right uh, people use the word very loosely and uh, just to give you a gist of what anxiety and depression means because i think it's very important to kind of clarify that um so anxiety would be any feeling of fear or worry or uh, probably restlessness which interferes so the a uh, main word here is if it interferes in your day to day living or your day to day functioning to a point that you know if you want to probably read a book and you're not able to do that if you want to sleep and you're not able to do that because you're in that state continuously because you are feeling like nervous or jittery or living that's when you can say that you are actually going through an anxiety phase right otherwise it's if it's not impairing you that much don't use the word very loosely similar with depression so with depression which is a little more clinical the word depression is much more clinical uh, rather than being uh, rather than it being just a phase because depression uh, is not in a phase it's for a much longer period of time and uh, so depression would be feeling of dullness or losing uh, not wanting to be motivated for any uh, pursuing any interest of yours or uh, you know to a point that it changes your behavior pattern in a way that you are either sleeping very less or sleeping a lot uh, or not eating or eating too much so a few behavioral changes that occur because of that state of mind where you feel demotivated not wanting to do anything feeling of worthlessness helplessness if that persists again for a longer period of time where it hampers your day to day living over a period of time then you can probably and definitely get diagnosed by a psychiatrist right if that psychiatrist uh, understands all these their proper symptoms like how you have any physical disease and there are symptoms ki acha if you have got like sore throat like how we have covid right now so if you got these these symptoms you have covid uh, probably so then go and get yourself checked very similarly for any psychological disorder before you use the term uh, that i'm depressed or i have ocd or i am you know or any other word go get yourself consulted and one if you're diagnosed as having the uh, any kind of a psychological disorder then probably you can but even then uh, but make sure that you are seeking help that's the idea if you think that you're going through anything please uh, check uh, with any mental health professional whether it being a psychologist or a psychiatrist so if you in any case if the psychologist feels that you have these symptoms which are more clinical in nature they will automatically refer you to a psychiatrist
then the psychiatrist will probably give you medication yeah yeah this definitely goes as a disclaimer from the podcast itself that uh <laughs> people would generally feel that okay if i'm eating too much or if i'm eating less i could be depressed no that is not the case <laughs> do do visit a professional who would diagnose you based on your symptoms right no uh, so this what you're talking about is just one symptom it needs to be uh, you know together with a cluster of symptoms and then you can pro- so it's not about eating too much or eating too less <laughs> or sleeping too much or sleeping too less so that's not about that yeah <laughs> yeah so now moving on to your other skills that you conduct these courses on prenatal yoga and you also deal with a lot of women having pcos where women tend to have irregular menstrual cycles um yeah i have too heard of a uh, similar cases and especially of women in their early 20s nowadays right have you faced this scenario with your students or patients and if yes what do you think are the causes okay so uh, in a very clinical sense uh, reasons for pcos is not very uh, like you know it could be anything because it could be uh, almost uh, so there is no particular factor that has been pinpointed as to this could be the reason for women having pcos uh, but definitely if you look at so there were a lot of studies that were done on lifestyle itself uh, and uh so a little unhealthier lifestyle and i think a lot of uh, people in their 20s don't lead a very uh, i think now the awareness has started rising again but this was a phase around like 6 7 years ago i remember my friends and a lot of people like even my relatives they were uh, diagnosed as having pcos and definitely uh, it had uh, they were not leading a very uh, particularly healthier lifestyle I think that happens when you're in college and everything. You know, you want to sleep till late, get up late, and then you have like no sense of uh, a routine, and that starts only a little late. One of the reasons. So what happens in PCOS? It's either there's a cyst in the ovary. It could be for or, or polycystic, so a lot of cysts in the ovary, and a later it also comes in the way of uh, being able to get pregnant. so a lot of, so of course uh, with doctors discretion in the medicines that the doctors give for pcos it is very very important to kind of get your lifestyle in order so definitely check the nutri- nutrition uh, your body weight so a lot of women who are much overweight also like you mentioned slim girls in their 20s they also do probably because of any any reason it could be anything but definitely leading a healthier lifestyle really helps so uh definitely you've seen uh, and this is like a study where 5 to 10% of uh, people were almost they started uh, regulating their uh, lifestyle habits and uh, when they reduced the 5 to 10% of their body weight uh they automatically started getting their periods in a much more regular way instead of like skipping or like not uh, having a proper menstrual cycle that because that's one of the biggest symptoms of having pcos uh then the other thing was that you know an hour of yoga so this is like one very very interesting research that i had found that uh one hour of yoga for three times a week for three months kind of reduced the testosterone level in a woman for by around 20 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 29% 
which is brilliant so uh, yoga definitely helps to start getting you know your endocrine system in order and start uh, activating your thyroid gland and it also starts getting your uh, the hormone secretion in a much regulated way because you're more in sync with the blood supply of the body and especially if you're doing pranayama it increases the blood circulation level the oxygen level in the body which again helps in uh, the the distribution of and the secretion of the hormones in the body yeah so yeah so we can account for more of a lifestyle issues which people have been fa- uh, facing it could be food it could be uh, sleeping late it could be m- many other issues but yeah, yeah getting your lifestyle in order pointing uh, factor it could be genes also it could be it could be anything but definitely uh, this was like almost a little uh, common uh, feature that was found in most of the people either they were yeah so yeah but definitely yoga helps <laughs> that's something yeah. that i can definitely say so now yeah. coming to you uh, how do you prime yourself for the day do you have any specific uh, morning routine okay so very honestly since covid and these times uh, my routine has definitely changed a lot because otherwise i was already up and about much earlier in the morning and uh, i had classes now i still do i still have a lot of uh, online classes now but uh, that has kind of changed because uh, of the given situation and uh, so what i usually do is i get up my routine is usually like i get up around now 7:38 so that's usually a little later for me i used to get up like much earlier and uh, the first thing i need to do is have my coffee uh, <laughs> and after that uh, i do my so actually i do my pranayam first as soon as i get up i do my pranayam i stay in bed for a little while i do my meditation uh freshen up a little bit go and have my coffee and all right after that i start with my classes so my classes go on till around 1130 and then uh, yeah that's how i prime myself for the day <laughs> so my coffee my pranayam and my uh, meditation is extremely important in the morning yeah i guess there are some practices for everyone which they would like to do in their day or or else they don't feel that that they are started yeah 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 100% so and also i think uh, you know it starts becoming a proper routine and you start getting everything becomes very automated so your body automatically knows okay this is the part time for something else now and the next step and the next step so every morning i think my every morning is exactly the same my night is exactly the same before i sleep and after i wake up <laughs> yeah so uh, now moving on to food Do you have any food choices which you strictly avoid? Oh yeah, I try few things I strictly avoid <laughs> because I try to avoid them few things I strictly avoid because I just don't feel like eating. So uh for example, uh by the way, this is again in complete discretion that please eat whatever you want to. It's your life, but try uh listening to your body and see how each food affects you mentally and physically. uh it will definitely and your energy levels 100% if it doesn't suit you stay away from them but be more aware about these things like for example for me uh red meat is something that i don't eat uh because i, I think i feel too guilty or i don't feel like 
uh, I think that affects my mind more than my body. I haven't explored it as much to understand how it affects my body. Uh, then definitely. So another thing that I used to love before, but I can't have anymore is uh, gluten any form of gluten because uh, I think I feel too heavy so I listen to my body there and uh, what I strictly avoid is I try the things that I try avoiding but I can't uh, definitely sugar is one of them uh, something that I'm all I was almost addicted to till a few years ago but now I understand that it kind of gets my energy down again but and I don't feel nice the next day so it feels like uh, it doesn't feel right, but uh, I'm trying to stay away from it. So I kind of have, I substitute sugar with a lot of other things. So it's, it's kind of going well. So these are a few things. So sugar, uh, gluten and red meat. So these are the uh, three things that I complete. Speaking about gluten, uh, I too had uh, come across a lot of topics on this. Uh, I read a few books on this and then I decided, okay, let's give it a try. I would uh, reduce one chapati from my meal. Okay. And okay. Just give it a shot. Now, how does it feel? Uh, in the first week, I felt I'm feeling hungry, but I'm compromising it. But I said, no, no problem. Let's try because again, it's just the first week. After a month or so, I felt that I'm more alert. And this is specifically while I'm working after lunch. So generally after lunch, people used to go more dull and they are slow in their work. Whereas I felt I'm more alert and the speed at which I'm accomplishing something in the morning is same even in the afternoon. And that right. gave me a good high that, okay, I'm seeing this one major benefit. There's no brain fog kind of a situation. Whereas again, if right. I go back to that three chapati routine, which I used to have before, I again have that, okay, I'm a bit dull. I'm doing something, but it's going to take hours. Yeah, that yeah. that's what I also realized. I think after gluten, and uh, I, re- I realized this in Shivananda, by the way, uh, because they have you're in the South, they will only have rice. <laughs> only have rice. And that's, that was a huge problem with me because I was a very huge uh, roti lover. And getting into this place where you have just rice every meal, like rice and dal, rice and sambar, rice and whatever, just just rice. And that too, like sometimes, and they will do Kerala rice and then they will be doing normal rice, but it's always rice. Uh, so I remember I uh, one day they had this, uh, because a lot of people were from the North also and they wanted to have gluten, right? They wanted to have something made of wheat. And I remember that day they had like randomly one, one of the days in the third, third week of uh, the program, they had member uh, and I don't eat too much. Sorry, I didn't yeah. get the entire last 10, 20 seconds. The story about which you okay. just narrated about uh, where, when you all had a roti for the first time in the arts. So that was like uh, a roti, uh, atta dosa. So I don't know how they made uh, dosa, not dosa. Okay, that's another thing that I realized. <laughs> uh, so um, I remember, and I'm not a very big eater, but I remember I had like 14 of those. So, and that's how I realized that I had almost, uh, like I was, I, I was craving uh, wheat a lot. And uh, when I came back, I tried to explore that. And I think this change has been very, very recent, probably in the last year only. 
where i decided to you know give up uh, rotis and start having uh, oats instead so anything so we we make like a, an oats kind of a pancake which does not have sugar uh, it's basically just oats uh, oats atta and uh, egg white uh mix it up and make like a nice uh, pancake of it and i have it with honey a little bit of honey and honestly the same thing happened with me i started noticing uh the that i stopped becoming very lethargic after my meals yeah. so which also made me realize that i probably with gluten i feel very heavy in my stomach and it feels very i feel bloated after so uh which kind of started getting a little better after i left and also i think uh, i heard this somewhere so i had like on my arm the back of my arm there were like these small spots uh, and that has been there from probably uh, my teenage years right and uh, my mom randomly told me it's probably your uh, it, probably it's because you're uh, not uh, you're probably allergic to gluten so very honestly i don't know if i'm allergic to gluten or not but definitely i stopped eating gluten and that kind of went away after years so after like around 18 19 years yeah so maybe maybe yeah again there are a lot of assumptions but yeah some things uh, we are very much clear that okay this is something which i realized that has impacted me and i should stay away from it or at least have less of yeah no same 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 here 100% and another thing i avoid by the way i just realized is having a coffee in the evening so i have just one cup of coffee in the morning because uh, again i think uh, with time i was not as uh, uh, sensitive to caffeine but with time or probably i don't know how like i started getting more uh, sensitive to caffeine so if i'm having coffee after 6 pm um, then i'm up to like probably 4 am which is really bad <laughs> and i'm uh, that sensitive to <laughs> i i had read a um, study on this on coffee's effects so that study mentioned mm-hmm. that whenever you have a cup of coffee the 100% effect gets divided into 250% effects so the first 50% impacts you on your uh, in your first 6 hours after having that coffee so let's say if i have the coffee at 4 pm it impacts me till 10 pm but the remaining okay. 50% impacts you for the next 24 uh-huh. hours oh god so <laughs> no uh, so when i was generally having uh, coffee or even in uh, in fact tea around 6 pm i used to have a disturbed sleep and this is because of that first 50% but uh, right. i just Uh, started having tea around 3 pm 3 3:30 pm which was again odd for my family or my friends because they said that why are you having tea at this time but yeah i just thought okay let me try this and i felt much better i had good sleep too so uh, it is I, i'm i'll see that if i can find that study i can link it in the show notes but uh, this is something which i have observed right that's very interesting i should be able to uh, the, so good i automatically understood that with my body this happens so uh, the only time i need coffee is like early morning like right after i wake up it makes it, it actually helps me prep for the rest of the day right actually the first thing is uh, when i wake up i write my to do list for the day <laughs> that's yeah, the first again thing connects like to the medicine. journaling benefits yeah yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. So everything is like very structured in the head. Yeah. 
So, uh, so we just come to the end of our show. What message would you like to give to everyone? Um. Okay. So, firstly, there's something that I uh, talk about a lot. uh and i think i'm going to start with that and i there are few things that i use in my class as well when people are like oh you're doing this you're making us do this particular posture i we will never be able to do it then i always tell them that you know you need to start somewhere to get somewhere so it's not about if you don't start you will never get anywhere right so it's not about you know you not being able to have like big goals and that's another thing uh something about goal setting uh i think personally having a goal a big goal or having the motivation these two words are so overrated having big goals and motivation because in the end of the day you're not looking at uh, so if you get the goal then what right so what what next the idea is actually in uh, looking at the smaller things the uh, smaller habits that you form every single day and you being able to show up for example on the mat every single day even if you don't want to do it it's not mood dependent things are never mood dependent so even if you don't feel like practicing give yourself 5 minutes 10 minutes that's about it but do it every day so it's all about uh, creating those smaller smaller changes and making a discipline out of it that's more important rather than reaching a goal and having that motivation because the more uh, you give you know uh, the more you give uh, the like i want to give this particular thing a lot more idea i want to put more mind to it that will never happen you need to make it like as easy as probably brushing your teeth every single day so have these small things so that you are not able to think about wanting to do so don't give it uh, a lot of importance anything in life so just just don't give it a lot of importance just say okay this is what you need to do do it that's about it um, i think the, yeah the first part of what you just said was you have to start somewhere to get somewhere i guess that should be on a advertising billboard in bold letters <laughs> so it would bring so much attention and uplift someone who's just passing by that's a very good line actually yeah. and Thank uh, you. the second as well as Use that line. Then we were like, "Yes, you are right." Then we are going to do this posture. We are going to do this. We will be able to. And automatically, the motivation level kind of goes very, very high. And then you're not thinking too much about it. <laughs> no, that's that's a very good line. I, I'm not sure. I'll write it down somewhere just not to forget it. Um, and uh, the part which you mentioned on the second uh, phase of your answer, uh, about uh. motivation and about uh, habits have you read this book called the atomic habits oh, of course that of course of course that's one of my favorite books by james clear he's an amazing writer yeah 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 atomic habits that's exactly so after reading so much that's something that i kind of conclude it's not about the motivation it's not about the big goals it's about the smaller steps that you change in yourself every day every day every day every day because nobody is an overnight success right everybody has been going through a particular journey we just see it one day and we say oh you know what this person probably got lucky no so everybody has been following something or the other they've been changing something about their life every single day so that's it's about the atomic habits the smaller smaller changes the smaller habits yeah <laughs> yeah uh, uh 
for everyone who's listening do check out this book it's a very good book and it would dissect even if you read this first chapter itself you'll get the gist of what this book intends to do and uh, it would surely give you a new perspective on how you can achieve something right and it's brilliant like one of my favorite books and especially like the anecdote where uh, he said that britain had never uh, won anything in like the um, the so cycling event and then uh, there was they got a new coach in and they he changed like small things like uh, changing people's shorts like how aerodynamic their shorts are right to their the way they the, how comfortable their seat is like people would actually in the beginning would think that you know why is he doing such stupid small changes and then they started winning like four years in a row which is brilliant within like three years they started showing those results uh no, no i think lesser than that much less than that i forgot the nitty gritties of the anecdote but imagine these small changes also give go a long way yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's the uh, means that's a very perfect story to start that uh, book uh, so uh, so yeah uh, it was great having you um, where can like everyone find you on the internet so definitely uh, so i have my own website it's called uh, shreyayoga.com uh so and the other place where i'm a little more active is my instagram uh which is shreya_yoga so yeah perfect so if perfect. you find work interesting let me know i would love to hear <laughs> perfect i'll definitely make sure to add all these links in the show notes as well as for people who want to check out or learn yoga learn prenatal yoga learn pilates they can definitely come to you and try these things um thank you a lot uh, it was great having you it was great being here thank you for having me thank you thank you thank you once again thank you for hearing out the episode all topics with their respective links and our email ids will be available in the show notes see you in the next episode